Hello, I'm your host, Dora Vandekamp. Welcome to the Biohack Your Beauty podcast, where we take a deep dive into the world of biohacking, spirituality, wealth, and self-development. Join me in exploring paths to health sovereignty, freedom, and ultimate well-being with the experts, teachers, and guides who are leading the revolution. Hello, beautiful ones. I hope you are doing wonderfully. I am. I am deep in wedding planning mode. This week, my friends threw me the most incredible bridal shower that ever was. It was magical and just made me feel so overwhelmingly grateful for sisterhood and friendship and my community. If you have any wedding planning tips, send me a message on Instagram. I would love to hear from you. And God knows I can use all the help I can get. So right now I am actually looking for clean makeup looks. So if you have any resources, any products that you are loving, please send them my way. Okay, so today we are diving into transforming limiting beliefs with emotional freedom technique also known as tapping. Valerie Green joins us and we discuss how can we shift our limiting beliefs, how to know which belief is actually limiting you so that you can address it, what is quick tapping and how do you do it effectively, how can you reprogram your vagus nerve and if you don't know, the vagus nerve has such a huge impact on your nervous system. How can we use EFT to speed up manifesting? How can we manage overwhelming emotions? And how can we reprogram our beliefs to attract more wealth? So Valerie Green helps people struggling with overwhelming stress and negative self-talk develop new empowering beliefs to not only build self-confidence, but recover happiness in all aspects of their lives through EFT. This is an incredible episode for you if you're looking for a truly transformative tool for your toolbox that you can easily apply and use at any time to make big changes in your life. Without further ado, on to the show. Hi, Valerie. How are you? Hi, I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. I'm super excited to talk EFT. Yay, me too. (laughs) I would love to start talking about how you got to discover EFT. What made you decide to work with this modality? Um, So yeah, that's a deep question. And it definitely stems from my own personal journey. So it stems from uh, just for my own personal needs, for my own problems. Um, I definitely had to overcome childhood trauma as well as um, an abusive relationship that I was in when I was in college. It was emotionally and physically abusive relationship for about four years. And I finally escaped that by moving away to Germany in 2011. (laughs) And I think I thought by physically moving locations, I'd be able to leave it all behind and kind of start off new, but wasn't necessarily the case. Um, But I definitely was able to do a lot of traveling around Europe, and I had the honor of working with the U.S. military. I worked with every branch and all ranks. 
Um, so that was such an honor, but subconsciously I was really avoiding the pain and I began to struggle with alcohol and um, the different relationships that I was in. And um, I just didn't deal with the pain. It was just still in the back of my mind and subconsciously still affecting me. And uh, it all caught up to me when I was 30 and I was living in Los Angeles in 2018. I basically kind of looked up and around and was comparing myself to other people. And I began to spin out of control and I hit rock bottom and I began to experience depression, anxiety, PTSD, um, chaotic thinking, uh, night sweats, migraines, just pain all over my body. And it just got really, really bad to the point that I, um, I just really began to hate myself. And I would scream in the mirror, I hate you. And I became uh, suicidal and got so bad, I ended up in the hospital. And I was working with a therapist and I continued to work with one and I was getting better, but I still had a lot of the same symptoms um, and those weren't really going away. And I just knew there had to be another way. So then I started working with an EFT practitioner to really address uh, like the underlying trauma. And I was able to gain control over my thoughts, uh, heal my past and change my mindset. And I learned how to truly love and accept myself. And I learned how to change my thinking system through the power of EFT. And now it's my mission to do the same. Mm, that is wow. Big, big, big stuff, big stuff. Yeah. And even just the idea we have so often is like, if I just can get away from this, everything mm. will change, right? It's like, we look to change the external situation. If I just get a new job, if I just get yeah. a new partner, if I just get plastic surgery, whatever it is, right. then, mm -hmm. okay, everything will change. I'll be better. I'll do better. And kind of what your story is saying is actually you can move 3000 miles, yeah. but you still have you, right? You yeah. Carry the same things unless mm -hmm. you go inside, you go within and address those things. And you said your thinking systems, mm -hmm. what do you mean by that? What's your thinking system? So your thinking system, just so like my belief systems, like what I believed about myself, what I believed about the world, um, what I believed about relationships, how I should be treated in them, um, my place in the world, what I believed is even possible for my life. And where do we get these thinking systems from? So they're typically... Um, programmed uh, into our subconscious from the ages of about zero to seven. So that is when we are downloading all of our subconscious programming from our parents or from teachers, uh, religious leaders, and that begins to develop our view of the world. It can also happen uh, in traumatic events. Um, and it's basically you make a decision at that time about yourself or the world. And you take mm. that on and you begin to see through that lens. Mm. And so much of that comes from witnessing our parents, our teachers, really modeling these behaviors, as well as responding to our behavior mm -hmm. from parents, from teachers, and also how those people respond to our actions and our behaviors as little kids, right? And when we're little, it's so easy to take on these really big reactions as I'm being bad or yeah. I should be quiet or I shouldn't take up space. Or, I mean, there's so mm. many things that we pick up as kids. 
Yeah, absolutely. Or it's my fault, or I'm a bad kid. I'm a bad boy, bad girl. We take that on when the when our those adult figures have those big emotions, and we can't really tell that they're actually sometimes coming from a place of worry. Right? It's like when your little kid's going to run into the street. What are you going to do? You're going to get really loud. You're not going to whisper. You're going to scream the, at your kid to to, to stop. And um, we can't really see it from that perspective. We just take it on as that we're wrong or we're bad or we did something bad. Yeah. Yeah. And that bad, good thing is so interesting because it yeah. does really, it it's so pervasive into so many areas of our lives. And I find, especially as women, that really we want to be good girls, right? There's this mm-hmm. thing about being nice, being good. and we're so afraid to be disapproved of or to mm-hmm. feel like we're doing something wrong, like we're getting in mm-hmm. trouble. And mm-hmm. I actually heard this recently from this woman who was teaching coding to children. And mm-hmm. she said that with boys, they would call the teacher over and they would say, Hey, is this right? Is this wrong? And maybe it was wrong and then they could address it. But with the girls, they would call the teacher over and say, I don't know how to do this. And there was a blank screen. And what the teacher would find was actually they had written stuff and deleted it, written stuff and deleted it because they didn't want to be wrong. They didn't want to have this, somebody tell them that, um, you know, they were bad or there was disapproval. And so really, They just didn't present anything. And it's such a fascinating thing to think about is we're so afraid of being bad or doing Mm -hmm. something bad, right? And so thinking about those beliefs that we even have as little kids already, Mm -hmm. and then how does that present itself and manifest for us as adults Mm -hmm. where we are afraid to go on camera to present our brand or present our content or all of those things or show up to a date, be ourselves, right? Because there's this program telling us it's better just not to say anything at all yeah. rather than get in trouble or be wrong or be bad. Absolutely. It's the same reason why a lot of women hold themselves back for promotions. It's like they feel if they don't have everything that the job description is asking for, they don't even apply versus in the most cases men do and they just put themselves out there. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So it's a really interesting thing considering what we pick up as kids and then how that manifests into our daily lives. So how does EFT kind of weave into this, um, changing this dynamic? Okay. So just to break it down a little bit. So EFT is this uh, beautiful combination of modern psychology, ancient Chinese medicine, and neuroplasticity. And so neuroplasticity is basically that your brain is malleable and it can change and you can even make new connections. And then with ancient Chinese medicine, it has to do with um, the meridian points, very similar to acupuncture and acupressure. And as you're tapping, you tap on those same points and it sends a calming signal to your brain, the fight or flight part of your brain, the amygdala. And as it's kind of turning off the stress response, it can actually turn back on your prefrontal cortex, which is your thinking system. And so as you're tapping and you're actually telling your body that you're safe, you can actually begin to think differently about that memory and take in a different belief. Mm. 
And so how does this address emotional issues in the body? Okay. So the emotional issues of the body. So your body is the mind and your mind is the body. So when you begin to address the mind, the body naturally begins to heal itself. So when we address those past memories, whether it's um, physical sensation or a sound, the heavy emotions that your body does naturally begin to heal. Mm. And when you're doing EFT, is it the same points every time? Uh, yes, it, it can be. Um, so I always try to tell my clients like you can't do it wrong. I mean, there might be other people that say that's not right, but honestly, you can use tapping as what's called a pattern interrupt, um, which helps your brain to interrupt the, the trance or the pattern that you're going into. And just simply by tapping and interrupting that loop, you can break that trance. Mm. So it's something you can really do at any time, anywhere. Absolutely. Anywhere, anytime, in the car, on a walk, before a doctor's appointment, whenever you need it. <laughs> and does it address physical symptoms as well in some ways? Absolutely. So our, um, like I was saying, our, our mind is the body and the body is the mind. And I've worked with lots of clients that have had chronic pain. And just as an example, um, I worked with two different clients that had, it was, they were showing the same symptoms of hip pain on the right side. And in the woman, when we were addressing it, we cleaned it up in two sessions because it was the body kind of manifesting the belief that she didn't want to be intimate with her husband. <laughs> and that's okay. So we just kind of cleaned up why she didn't want to be intimate with her husband, what was really going on there. And then her body naturally cleared it up and it felt safe to do that again. And with my other clients, same problem, same hip, but instead it was all the emotional trauma from most of their past of not feeling supported. And so once we kind of cleaned up a lot of those unprocessed memories around not feeling supported or not feeling safe or, you know, needing some kind of care, then the body naturally began to heal itself. Wow. That's so fascinating. Yeah. So when it comes to those experiences, how do you dig into what is creating that manifestation? Awesome. Awesome question. Uh, yeah. So my job is to basically be a detective. So I ask really pointed questions and really get down to the root of what is causing that. And so I like to call it emotional Jenga. Uh, so you have all these building blocks of how you do your problem so well. Like you're doing it well. <laughs> you're not doing it wrong. You're doing a great job. <laughs> and so what I do is I go after the main building blocks, which can be um, memories, limiting beliefs, the physical sensations. And when we begin to clear them up, the significant memories, it collapses and you can no longer create that problem anymore. Wow. That's fascinating. Mm -hmm. And does it take a while for some people to kind of figure out what is creating that? Or is it usually pretty quick? Um, so typically I will say when my clients come to me, they, they're not so sure, but then after we really start digging in, you can begin to see the links that your brain has made. And that's all it's doing over time is it's just kind of just linking these different things together to really create that, to create that problem. Mm. And so then when we talk about, I know you mentioned the limiting beliefs. So we've talked about limiting beliefs on the podcast a few mm -hmm. times, but what is a limiting belief? Like, why is that something, obviously it's limiting, but what mm -hmm. is it limiting us from? Really good. So uh, that's a great question. So I would say limiting beliefs, you can also call them negative beliefs. So they're just thoughts that we keep thinking about ourselves 
or about the world, how we feel about the world, or how we're even feeling about money or other people. And then that's what can kind of limit us because let's say you want to be financially abundant, but you think that, or you believe that people that have a lot of money are greedy or bad. You're not actually going to be able to attract that type of abundance. Or if you have that abundance, you're going to easily lose it. Mm. So that's how they can become limiting. And we are running off of our subconscious programming, like 95% of the day of these beliefs and about 70% of the beliefs that we are holding on to don't no longer serve us. It's so fascinating with limiting beliefs as well, because I think there's so much that goes around these beliefs. Thinking of your belief might not even be wrong, right? Like mm -hmm. there, there probably are people who are very wealthy and very greedy and selfish and not mm -hmm. technically good people, or mm -hmm. there might be bad things happening in the world that are horrible. And it's not necessarily about proving yourself wrong. It's just about moving those beliefs so that they don't limit you. So they're not in the way of you becoming the version of you that you have the potential to be. And I think that's a really powerful thing to think about is like, it's not about banishing this belief and, and yeah, eliminating it because it's wrong or that you're wrong. It's really just about how can you move past this belief that's blocking you from being the you that you have the potential to be. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and again, these limiting beliefs come through, right? Because of experiences that we've had or stories we've been told about ourselves or about the world. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and so when it comes to reprogramming the subconscious mind, what is the process for that? Oh, I love this because then you get really sciencey with it. So, <laughs> so as you're tapping and you're tapping on the different reading points and you're sending this calming signal to the brain, um, it begins to rewire the brain in the sense that you have these neural network highways. And these neural network highways are held together by neurons and the neurons are glued together by protein bonds. And when you're tapping, it begins to listen, lessen the glue that's holding those protein bonds together. And you're quite literally melting the glue that's holding those neurons together. And then you're able to create a new neural network connection. Wow. How mind blowing is that? Mm -hmm. That's yeah, so, so cool. You can see it on scans. So Dr. Carolyn Leaf, uh, she does a lot of research into this and you can quite literally see those bonds begin to melt away. Wow. And mm -hmm. so if somebody's going through it, do they just stop and start tapping? Like what is the process for that? Do they, do they say something while they're tapping? Like, what does that even look like then? Okay. So there's, um, Clinical EFT. So clinical EFT, there's nine different points and you have a setup phrase and you tap on the karate chop point of your, of your hand. But what you can also do, you can do quick tapping um, and you can just say a simple phrase, let it go. So all you would have to do is you can tap on the ones mainly on your face and you can tap on the ones between your eyebrow, on the side of your eye, under your eye, and then on your collarbone. And you can just say, let it go or it's safe to let it go. And then you can grab your wrist, take a deep breath in, and then you can blow it away. Yeah. You just keep it as simple as that. That's amazing. I've never heard of that 
quick tapping before because mm-hmm. I'm actually certified in EFT. Oh, I love that. Yeah. And I know the process and I also know just the karate chop point, mm-hmm. but I've never heard of the quick tapping. And that's actually really great because sometimes you're so in it that yeah. even ta- like saying the words, it's so triggering on your nervous system that just being able to say, let it go and tapping on those points, it sounds mm-hmm. so soothing and kind of a way to move that energy. Yeah, absolutely. And I had a lot of my clients that um, with all of the different points, we're getting more frustrated. Like, I don't really know what to say. Am I saying it wrong? And it's kind of like, like, let that go also and just <laughs> yeah. tap on these main I don't want to be points. wrong. I know. <laughs> yeah. Right. No, you're, you can't do it wrong. You're doing great. And just tap and just say, let it go. And I'm safe. Just those uh, two call out phrases will naturally begin to relax your nervous system. And why is that, that those are the phrases that are so soothing for us? I am safe and let it go. So it's letting go of maybe the fear that's happening, right? So it's just, you're just kind of aiming. So another thing that you want to do, which is probably key, I should say, is you want to be aiming at something in particular. So it's like, I'm feeling fear, I'm feeling a little anxiety. Okay. How do you know? Okay. I'm feeling my heart is racing. All right. You can just say, let it go, the fear. So I release and let it go, let it go, let it go. And then the I'm safe is beginning to tell your your brain and your body that I'm safe. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's really similar of, um, and the reason with those call-up phrases are so important is the part of your brain that's traumatized is nonverbal. It's uh-huh. the, uh-huh, it's your, it's your hind brain and your midbrain. And um, that's the part that's traumatized and holding the trauma, especially in your amygdala. And so if you think about it like a dog, a dog that's scared and is shaking and you can tell the dog over and over again, like you're fine, Rover, you're okay. You're okay. It's not hearing you. It's not until you go over to the dog and you pet the dog, the physical sensation, the stimulating physical um, sensation uh, that it actually begins to, the dog begins to relax. Yeah. It's so interesting. Cause really I heard this a couple of days ago from a friend and she was saying that really our that's exactly right. Our brains aren't verbal. They're, they're mm. like a little calculator, you know? And yeah. so they're not, yeah, they're just not designed that way. So it's really about like those feelings and energy and the emotions that come with those thoughts and with those feelings, like we don't even have thoughts. Like we have thoughts obviously, but that's not what's in our brain, right? Our brain is mm-hmm. just calculating whatever the emotional body is giving it. Right. And that's yeah. where those thoughts are coming from. So it's a real, I mean, it's so fascinating. Our bodies mm. are so incredibly fascinating. It's amazing. And there's so much more science coming out. And, um, I had studied with the Institute of heart math and that's, uh, it's basically neuro neurologists and cardiologists have come together in this whole new program of cardio neurology. Hopefully I said that right. <laughs> and it's basically saying that your heart sends more messages to your brain than your brain sends to your heart. That and we is have, so cool. Yeah. We have these little mini neurons in our heart. And so we're intuitively responding to situations around us at all times, which is why when you go into a room, after someone's been fighting, you can tell, which is why you can tell if somebody's crying and not even seeing their face. You can tell by the energy that they're giving off. And there's quite literally, our heart is giving off a frequency. 
So every time our heart beats, it sends off an electric magnetic wave. And there's different technology that can read the type of emotion that you're actually sending off um, by about an 85% accuracy. It's like, is it you know joy or appreciation? But it can tell the difference between joy and fear. It's like what you're actually putting out into the environment and then what other people are being able to pick up on as well, because we're reading that from one another all the time. So cool. So cool. Yeah. So I know you work with biofeedback. That's one of the things that you yep. work with. So, so speaking of frequency, because I work with frequency too, mm-hmm. how does that work with the biofeedback? Like how are those interrelated? So the biofeedback is through the Institute of HeartMathic, I was just saying. Mm-hmm. And um, it's basically retuning your heart rate variability. Uh-huh. And so your heart rate variability is that beat per beat. And you can retune your heart rate variability by different breathing techniques. Mm-hmm. And um, that's really similar, I would say, to even different somatic practices. I even use a lot of that breathing techniques. So even when I'm doing um, EFT with deeper breathing, it relaxes your vagus nerve. Um, so we can quite literally uh, reprogram our vagus nerve with these different, so many different techniques. But that one in particular, um, through the Institute of Heart Math, the different breathing techniques as you're focusing in on the area of your heart. So interesting because I just did HRV. They have this program at the biohacking clinic I go to where it measures your HRV and then it actually will tell you a lot of things. So it'll tell you your inner age. It'll tell you the, the chakras, like how balanced your chakras are. It will tell you, I mean, so many different things. It's so interesting, but just from measuring your, your heart beats Mm. and your heart rate and like the variability. And one of the things that I heard, which I don't know if that's true, but you only have a certain number of heartbeats in Mm. your life. So that the better your heart rate variability is the more, the longer you live, right? Because you only have a certain number, everybody that's like why rabbits have a really fast heartbeat because they don't live very long. So this is something, obviously, I'm not sure if that's true, but, but it's interesting thinking of heart rate variability and and how even just from, from reading that we can learn about Mm. our well being, which is so interesting. Wow. That's really cool. I'd never heard of that before. And then even be able to tell what chakra systems are, are blocked as well, but I guess that makes sense. That's they're linked with your endocrine system. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Super interesting. Let's shift gears a little bit and talk about manifestation because I know EFT works with limiting beliefs. And when Mm -hmm. we're talking about manifesting, we're talking about our subconscious mind. Mm. These really impact what we create in our lives. So Mm -hmm. how are the, how are they related? How is EFT impact manifestation? So I really believe we we manifest who we are, not necessarily what we want. Uh, and who we are is based off of what we believe about ourselves. And um, with the law of attraction, that has to do with what you focus on, what you think about, what you're kind of you know, mulling around in all the time, you're going to begin to get more of that. So in order to be able to manifest, there's kind of these three different steps. It's kind of like you ask for what you're wanting. And so many people are actually asking for what they don't want. 
they're saying, I don't want to feel stressed. I don't want to be poor. I don't want these things, but your subconscious isn't hearing the don't. And also you're giving off a frequency that's lower vibration as well, even using some of those words. So it's kind of like, what is it that, wait, hold on, I'm hearing what you don't want. What do you want? <laughs> it's like, I want to feel more peaceful. I want to have abundance. I want to land a speaking gig on Tony Robbins stage. I don't know, whatever it is, put it out there. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Universe, do you hear me? <laughs> right. So it's like, you want to ask for what you're wanting and then you have to believe that it's possible and that it's coming. And that's where that whole like surrender comes from. And then with EFT, that's where EFT comes in as to go after those beliefs. Because if the main reason we actually don't go after what we're wanting is one, we don't believe it's possible and we don't believe we're deserving of it. So we can go after those limiting beliefs with EFT. And then the next step is to receive, kind of get into that receiving mode. And that's also what EFT does is help you to increase your vibration. Because if you're no longer running on the old patterns of believing all these negative things and every thought that you're thinking is producing an emotion, which is giving off to the universe around you that frequency, if you can change that, you can literally raise in vibration and begin to attract what it is that you're really wanting to receive. And then by believing what you want also and being in that higher frequency, you begin to act as if it's possible. And that's where that kind of that action begins to stem from. Because when you believe, oh my gosh, this is actually possible for me and I'm visualizing it and I'm seeing it, you begin to actually take those steps necessary in order to have what it is that you're you're deeply wanting. Yeah. And with, with EFT, are you doing affirmations? Are you saying those? Because an affirmation obviously is something you're not saying what you don't want. You're saying basically mm -hmm. what you do want or who, who you want to be or what you're stepping into. So are you, are you saying affirmations while you're doing that EFT, like to affirm mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. new version of you? Right. So that word affirm is really key, right? So we're affirming thoughts all the time. <laughs> so we're having affirmations going on in our mind constantly. So uh, we can kind of choose a better feeling thought by having a more positive affirmation. So yes, in order to answer your question while we're tapping, first, you have to release and let go of the negative. Your brain's not going to take on a positive if it's believing the negative. So you kind of have to first tap through and release the negative, let it go. And then in maybe the last round of tapping, once you can tell it's tapped down, then you can begin to tap in more of a positive affirmation. Like maybe just, maybe I am good enough. Maybe mm. just maybe I am worthy and deserving and mm. I I'm valuable and I cherish myself and I love and accept myself now. Mm. And when you say those negative thoughts that you're tapping down, what is, what is an example of something you might say? So tapping down, let me think for a moment. Um, so let's say we're going after the limiting belief of not feeling good enough. And it's like, okay, well, how do you know you're not good enough? It's like, well, this happened when I, when I was a kid. Okay, good job. So then we would address that past memory um, and tap that down. And what's, what I mean by tap that down is you give it a rating between zero and 10. Zero, it doesn't bother you. 10 is really strong. And then as we're doing the tapping rounds and we're releasing and letting go of the heavy emotions and releasing and letting go any physical sensations that might come up, releasing and letting go any of the pictures or the sounds um, or the voices that you might be have heard at that time. Uh, so you're releasing and letting all of that go. And do you have clients who have like a physical 
reaction, like sometimes crying or mm-hmm. having, I, I would, I would think if something is living in your body for many, many years and then you're letting it go, right. you might have like a physical withdrawal experience. Yeah. So that's really delicate. And I try to be super mindful because it's important to really let my clients cry and to release it. There's a difference of allowing someone to really release something that's been there for a long time versus allowing them to go into what's called deep sadness and go into a trance of deep sadness. So I have to be kind of mindful of what it is that we're working on. Um, so yes, different um, uh, emotions can come up. Um, and I'm just really mindful of what that is and to hold space for it. Cause I think it's important, especially with men, if they've actually get to that point that they're comfortable crying and they do, it is a, it's a huge release so for a long time, especially with men, they've been told it's not safe to cry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for real. <laughs> and then <laughs> for real. Um, <laughs> and so when you say a deep sadness, a trance of deep sadness, what's are you moving those people then out of that trance yeah. intentionally? Yeah. So I'll just give an example of myself. So I used to do deep sadness really well. Like I was. Oh, doing... same here. Same here, girl. <laughs> I, was so a pro. Was, I was a pro at deep sadness <laughs> and it was always the loop I would go in. It was modeled to me very well as a child, um, yeah. you know, unknowingly. And then there was also lots of losses when I was a kid. So there's always this undertow of sadness in my home. And I kind of took that on. So whenever I would do tapping rounds, it was kind of the first thing I would go to. And it would also kind of get to the point I couldn't speak. And so that's what I mean of like kind of going into that trance of deep sadness and trying to interrupt that loop because that's actually a pattern. Yeah. And there's a difference of something being a pattern versus it being a release. Huh. It's so interesting because I I had a similar experience and with my upbringing, there was a lot of sadness around my, so my dad's a minister. And so there was so much going on in the world that there was and is to be sad about. So that was Mm -hmm. constantly Mm -hmm. a very big theme in our household. And so it's very interesting, right? How that becomes part of your reality and how you then experience that as it's something that literally lives, that sadness lives in your body it Mm -hmm. weighs on you. Like it's heavy. You feel it in your heart center and in your chest. And, and so it's interesting because I think for us who have experienced that, recognizing that it is a pattern and how it tends to also be a protection mechanism as well from either facing things or dealing with things or personal growth or whatever, and then using EFT, for example, to really break that pattern, which is just really fascinating to me that Mm -hmm. that's a tool for that. Yeah, absolutely. And even with that, with the deep sadness, I mean, there's also kind of this overcoming it of it's safe to speak up because that's also kind of be a lot of it. So, um, you know, even with myself and even with my clients, like get them out of the trance of the sadness and it's actually safe to speak up. Like it's mm. safe to you, your, your voice matters. You matter. Mm, yeah. Your opinion matters. And so that's a lot of it as well. Yeah. And, and even, I mean, maybe with the deep sadness or maybe if there's other patterns too, mm-hmm. right. Of not only being locked in the, the throat chakra, but also in taking action, right. Because yeah. 
what I experienced myself was there was so much sadness and, you know, you spoke about having suicidal experiences and I I relate Mm -hmm. to that as well and feeling immobilized, right? Because you're so, there's so much, there's so much emotion that you can't even function. Like you're literally Mm -hmm. paralyzed because you just don't know what to do or what, or what action to take. And, and -hmm. I think it's really, I mean, it's really powerful that there are tools like EFT for that, because when you think about it, I think so many people experience that kind of, Mm -hmm. of either paralysis physically or not being able to express themselves because of that overwhelming emotion. Absolutely. And then even on top of it, what can end up happening. And even in my case was just so much shame. It was just so much shame for feeling as sad as I was. It was a lot of shame of being vulnerable and asking for help. Like it was just shame on top of it, which keeps you even lonelier. Yeah. And I think that's unfortunately, um, you know, what is, what I've seen happen, you know, even in famous people committing suicide, like they didn't, I don't know, obviously, but what the, what their personal cases was, but a lot of it can be shame of really asking for help and saying that you need help. Yeah. And also feeling like, especially with that, being somebody who wants to be a good person, Mm. then feeling like you're not worthy of asking for help. Like, who Mm -hmm. am I to ask for help when, when other people need more help or when I have all of this and I'm not happy with it or grateful. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's such a complex thing, but it's wild. Yeah. And then even trauma comparing, it's like, like I didn't have it as bad as that person. Why, who am I to feel this bad? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think it's so interesting for men and women too, because right with men, they're, role is like the, this very stoic person and they can't express that because then maybe they're weak or maybe they're not worthy. And for women, it's like, they are taught to be martyrs and to sacrifice. And so they're not mm. worthy. So it's like such a wild thing of yeah. worthiness, right? It's all oh, about yeah. worthiness and, mm-hmm. and love and, and being able to put your, put yourself in a place of, of worthiness. I love that. I mean, that is the key of everything that I I work on with my clients is worthiness of stemming in that you are already worthy exactly as you are. And you are lovable exactly exactly as you are. Because I think even under worthiness is love and acceptance, loving and accepting yourself and loving it and accepting all of the different pieces in your life, all of the different experiences. And um, I mean, even with like worthiness that can be stemmed in a lot of different relationships, right? Like all of our relationships with our family members, our friends, romantic partners. And then when you get to another layer of that, of like worthiness, then that starts to go into that law of attraction and abundance and, and money are like being able to like abundance in general and money beliefs, they stem basically in every major a relationship in our lives because those are stemmed in what we believe about ourselves and our worthiness. Yeah, it's wild. The mm-hmm. wealth thing. It's wild. I actually have been experiencing that lately because I'm planning a wedding and oh wow. And it's it's been really interesting because you're planning this very big event that's all about you and your person and you're spending mm-hmm. outrageous amounts of money on things. Mm-hmm. And it's just this wild, expansive ride where you're like, am I worthy of this? Right. All of this attention, all of these gifts, all of this money that I'm spending. It's just a really interesting 
thing. So yeah, I, I think money is so intertwined and, and rightfully so too, right? Because we, I mean, there's such a complex history that we have around abundance and wealth mm-hmm. as well and beliefs around money and, and with religion too, there's so much tied mm-hmm. into that. So it's, oh, yeah. it's a lot of beliefs that we have to reprogram and I think mm-hmm. just understand. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It can have a whole podcast episode on money beliefs. <laughs> on money beliefs. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe that will come. Um, so we have three questions that we ask every guest on the podcast. So the first question is, what is your definition of beauty? That's a beautiful question. Um, my definition of beauty I think actually very interestingly ties into what we were just talking about with like acceptance. I think you can tell people that really love and accept themselves and they kind of glow and you, and they kind of emit it and you can see the way they are when they come into a room. And I think also with that acceptance, that's the reason why a baby is so beautiful, (laughs) like just their innocence and they just love and accept themselves totally And I mean, I know it's not really the same, but even with like nature, it's beautiful because Mm -hmm. there's kind of this underlying acceptance that this is, this is how, how it is. This is kind of the cycle of how life works. And I think that's really beautiful. I love that. Yeah. I resonate with that. What is your favorite inner or outer beauty tip for our listeners? Hmm. Um, well, I, I guess maybe some basic ones. So I definitely some inner ones would be drinking enough water, getting enough sleep and definitely spending time in the sun. I think that just all of vitamin D and it's healthy. It's like basically a hormone. I mean, so all of that is definitely really, really important um, for your body to really take care of your body and your temple. And then I think also, um, I mean, not to be redundant, but I think EFT is great for your inner health because then it affects your outer health. Um, and it lowers your cortisol, which is going to lower the stress, that stress hormone and, and fast aging and and all of that. (laughs) Yeah. I love that. And I think it's something about really transforming your beliefs about yourself when it comes to devotion. And Mm. I think that's always something I've really, I've really seen when it comes to beauty is like a devotion Mm. to yourself. Right. And like, if, even if you have like drinking water, like being devoted to drinking water, I mean, it takes Mm -hmm. some discipline, it takes some Mm -hmm. devotion. So really working on those beliefs, I think is really powerful. I love that. Yeah. And where can people find you? Uh, So you can find me on Instagram. My handle is Valerie green coaching. So V A L E R I E G R E N E coaching. And then that's the same as my website, ValerieGreenCoaching.com. So they can, you can feel free to book a free um, discovery call if you want. (laughs) Amazing. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. This was so fun. Well, thank you so much for having me. I really, really appreciate it. 